Hey everybody, uh, it's Murph here again with another episode of The Depot, which is a podcast focused on getting to know the transport industry a little bit better. Um, I'm going to be talking to industry leaders, uh, discussing current topics and sharing and getting them to share their knowledge uh, and successes on all things in the transport game. Uh, the Depot is brought to you by the good people at AutoSense. Uh, so if you're needing a hand with driver training or fatigue and distraction solutions, then uh, just head to autosense.co.nz to check out all the offerings right there. Uh, this is our second episode of The Depot. Uh, in the first episode, um, I spoke to I spoke to Matt Horan from uh, Dines about the great New Zealand driver shortage and a bunch of other things as well. Um, and today I'm going to continue that theme a little bit more. I'm going to be chatting with Dean Eggers from Simmons Transport Group in New Plymouth uh, to see uh, what they are doing to recruit their and retain their drivers, but also we'll cover off a whole bunch of other uh, things as well. Um, before I get into talking to Dean, uh, let's recap on what we know about the driver shortage. The trucking industry has a shortage of in the vicinity of 4,000 drivers. The average age is 54, and more than 20% of drivers are aged over 60. Only 4% of truck drivers are women, uh, with 80% of trucking firms never having employed a female driver. We really need to do better in that department. Uh, there's a perception, a perception that uh, drivers work very long hours, around 70 hours a week. Uh, it is expensive to get licenses and takes longer for those under the age of 20 to get through all the phases uh, of getting a heavy transport license. Um, and as borders open up around the world, it is also expected our country will experience a bit of a brain drain, as they call it, with many skilled Kiwis moving overseas. Right, so let's get into it um, and uh, meet Dean Eggers. Fantastic to have uh, you on board on board Dean. Uh, thanks for your time today uh, to have a chat to us on the depot. Uh, um, I've had a bit of a read of some of your bio and bits and pieces and uh, wow um, mate you've 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 lived a pretty full life so far in a short period of time. Um, the things that you've been involved with are very interesting so I'm going to crack into that um, and let you give us a, a bit of an insight um, to uh, previous um, experience before you got to uh, Simmons Transport, but um, you grew up in Wellington. Uh, tell us uh, uh, what uh, you got up to back then and, and um, what got you started in business. Yeah, born and bred Wellington, so which has been good actually. The last two weeks up here with this blooming wind, um, I had forgotten what it was like. So Wellington was a good, good learning curve for that, Johnny. Uh, behavior but um yeah no wellington born and bred and um my my old man was been in the car industry still is after 60 odd years um and uh so kind of um was brought up um going to going to work or going going alongside him from a young as a young kid to the car yard and and then turner's auctions uh, arrived on the scene so then he um, I used to uh, go along every Saturday morning down at uh, Kaiwharafara there, and uh, then yeah, the the uh, love the love for auctioning um, was kind of born. So that that's kind of what happened there. And um, I uh, back in those days, Turner's was actually um, family company, privately owned. Um, yep. So. Yep. 
I, you know, from the first day that I legally could leave school, I wanted to. Um, so I had made some inquiries with, with Dad to uh, see if I could get a job. But uh, being a family company back then and, and with, you know, very old-fashioned, I guess, corporate values, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give me a job because, um, because my old man was a car dealer. So they were they were car auction and he was the car dealer. So so the next best uh, option was to uh, get into the markets. So what, what? Sorry to interrupt. What? What? So what year were you talking there? Uh, that was um, 80, 88, 89. Yeah. So I so I don't know if you remember the name Jack Forsyth and Tony Jack Forsyth was well known in the Wellington community. He used to have a radio. Uh, briefing once a week around the produce scene New Zealand wide. Anyway, I went along, went along and had a chat to him and, uh, and he said to me, he'd give me a job, um, but I had to finish six forms. So that was a year and a half. That was the longest year and a half of my life, to be honest. Um, and uh, so, yes, I left school on a Thursday, started work on the Monday and, um, and then had a, had a dreadful experience a couple of weeks into it when I was kind of informed that I wouldn't auction for three years. And, uh, you know, I'd been gearing up for the previous 18 months. So um, cut a long story short, I was auctioning in about three weeks and, and, the, and the rest is history there. I, um, I worked with them, outstanding company, learned so much in those first five or six years. Um, but I guess because of their old-fashioned values, um, back in those days, you were remunerated based on the length of time you'd been with the company, and right. obviously you'd you'd transition up slowly up the leaderboard and um, and have a more senior role. Um, and I I probably just started to get a little bit um, kind of disillusioned, and so I went and had a chat to them, and they said there's nothing much they could do because um, they'd made me manager of uh, the flower department back then and then the import-export part of their business. And, uh, and they said there wasn't a lot to do. So, um, so I said, okay, well, that's all good. I'll go and work for, work for Dad and uh, sort out a couple of few, few things he had going on in, in his business. And then I quickly realised I couldn't, I couldn't stand retail um, Waiting for yep. people to turn up and come and buy a car just wasn't wasn't for me. So uh, set up my first business in uh, 94, 95, and that was a that was called First Car Auctions, and uh, set it up with two two um, two colleagues that I'd worked with um, or got to know really. Um, and um, from Turner's Car Auctions. And then we, we put a tent on the corner of um, Taranaki and Buckle Street. We're supposed to be there about three or four months until we could find a permanent home. Um, and it ended up there 18 months. And, uh, and we had Michael Dosser, the late Michael Dosser now. Um, he, he was the chair of Turner's prior to going public. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, he he came up. I still can remember this day. He drove up, he drove up onto the onto the site, and he 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 hopped out. And I I knew him well. Well, I knew him, um, and I 
I came out of the office and said, what are you up to? You know, what do we, what do we uh, deserve the pleasure of a visit from the chair? And he said, well, he said, you're starting to become a little bit annoying. So, uh, <laughs> I knew um, this was coming. <laughs> yeah. So about time we had a chat. And um, cut a long story short, we uh, merged the two companies. That was Turner's Wellington and First. And I worked with uh, Wellington for a year. And then they took me up to run the um, uh, super site up in Auckland. Yep. Yeah. So that was that was 97 and through to 2000. Um, and then Dad uh, became unwell and, and uh, it's time to head home and, and help out. Um, and and um, I knew what I was getting in, myself in for. Um, I knew retail. So I decided at that time that um, when we sold first option to it, a couple of the lads didn't benefit from it because they were, you know, they'd been a key part of the business, but not shareholders. So I kind of always felt um, like I needed oh, yeah. to give them something back. So I rang them on June the June the first uh, two thousand and said, "I'm coming home. Um, let's let's sit down, have a coffee, and think of something." And and that was the beginning of um, the car dealer. And um, with another a good mate of mine, Bevan, and and uh, yeah, we set up a whole bunch of companies associated to car retail. Um, we bought a transport company, Vendor Finance, that with um, the owner, and uh, set up Car Dealer, which we which we which was a free glossy magazine um, in Wellington, Hawkes Bay, uh, Christchurch, and, and Southern. And, um, yeah, within the next five years, we had ACP, which was, bought by, which was owned by PBL in Australia. They, they came along and offered us a whole bunch of lotto checks. So that, the car dealer moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then we had uh, Auto Movements or Palmerston North Transport at the time. They came along and wanted to buy the trucking company, so that was gone. Um, and uh, yeah, so that kind of that kind of um, brought us to ninety or well, two thousand and four. Ended up in Hawkes Bay, merged a, a rental car company up there called Express with uh, with um, National Car Rental, and then we bought Europe Car to New Zealand. Um, oh wow! Yeah. So myself and Charlie Phillips, who now is um, uh, owner and CEO of uh, the Resort College in Queenstown, he and I, with the respective owners, um, got that sorted. And, uh, yeah, then I ended up back in Wellington in, in 05 again. And that's when I got into the, to, um, to sports management for about 10, 11 years. Yeah, um... You were just pause there one sec. Hey, um, just your your email. Oh, yeah, was, so, uh, one sec, and okay, now we're going. Again. Okay, um, well, that I mean, a, amazing uh, period of time through that whole motor motor industry thing. Everything you started, obviously, people decided they wanted more than what you did, which was great. It's a great thing to find yourself in, um, and uh, then you ended up yes, sports management. So, I mean. Did you always have an interest? I mean, did you play golf? Were you playing golf through that period, um, which got you in, interested in in um, that whole management side of things and performance sport? Well, I did. I played golf, but I played golf 
very badly. Um, and uh, I've never had the patience to be interested in anything technical um, because that's just the way I'm wired, like to go and get a lesson and then try and go and practice on the on the at the range just that just to me was hard work um <laughs> but uh yeah i um how i got into it was mel tung um if you're familiar mel yep, was a new zealand coach at the time and um he he i was invited to a telecom um like a corporate day um yep. but it was just with 30 30 customers and um and we were we were taken down there to Mana Mana Golf Mana Golf Club down in uh, the hut. Oh yeah. And um and the thing that got me was Mel, we had he had us all in a circle. And um at the start of the at the start of the day, he he just took us around and 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 asked us all our first name. At the end of the event, we were having a barbecue or dinner, whatever it was. And he, as the hour progressed and he kind of, you know, made a lot of fun of the whole day and, but he could talk to everybody by name and it made a real impression on me. I couldn't believe, I just couldn't work out how he did it. Um, and so when I came back to uh, Wellington in 05, um, I looked him up and um, he was driving a Nissan Patrol, and um, I could never work that out because he was—he's an Englishman. Well, I hope he isn't, but he'll kill me. Um, and and he, you know, he's head of New Zealand Golf, and it just didn't seem to reconcile. Like it should be at least a Land Rover or something. Something. Um, and I, so I did. A, I got a deal for him with um, with. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover that that were were combined at the time, and um, and then I tried to you know understand the the world of golf a little bit, and because I you know I love playing the game poorly, um, but um, and then he talked to me about the big golf between a um, golf that is not golf um, between the amateur. Um, you know, New Zealand did a great job of bringing through amateurs like um, Tatarangi and, and Michael Campbell and Marcus yep. Wells and all those boys. Um, but a lot of them really struggled when they turned professional. Um, so he, um, he, he asked me to, whether I'd consider really whether we could set up a small company um, to help basically um, these young guys that are going across transition, transition across, and of course finance was a big thing, and you know I'd done all right, um, a little bit, um, got a little bit lucky with some of the businesses we sold, and and um, had had the ability to to invest, and I had no idea really what I was doing. I um, I just wanted, I just had the passion to see some of these guys succeed mm. after yep. they returned. And uh, yeah, so that was the beginning of it. And I worked, we, we, we ran it for six years. I didn't really see the success that I was looking for, but, um, and it wasn't really through till 2012 that I, um, sorry, that's not an email, um, that, uh, 
um, I decided uh, if we're going to do this properly, we, we need a, I need to understand elite sport better. So I studied Luke Donnell, and, um, who was world number one at the time. And um, he was pretty unique because he was a short hitter, uh, but he was, he was an absolute, um, what do you say, a marksman when it came to his iron play. So inside about 160, he, he was the best on tour and he, and he putted well. Um, and I did a lot of research about his elite training programs, um, his work ethics, um, the whole nine yards, and then tried to adapt that. And that's when I brought on um, uh, Ryan Fox and uh, got involved with Ryan, uh, Mark Brown. So um, he'd, he'd lost his card over in Europe. So um, it was a good opportunity to, to work with him um, and Mark Persib and Nick Gillespie, a few of the boys. Um, and, yeah, and then, and then we implemented, um, started to implement a proper elite um athlete program rather than just strictly you know helping the boys with logistics and flight travels and funding and whatnot um so i really never achieved what i really would have um liked to have um because i finished up in 15 i'd started caddying full time um wow yeah so in 2015 we i was away 37 weeks in about 30 Thirtieth week in that year, we were over in Europe, and um, and I I had one of those light bulb moments. We had a mad dash from Plymouth in France down to Paris to catch a plane to um, Abu Dhabi, and then on to Kazakhstan and all places. And um, and we took off, and you you look down on one of those sand suburbs, and all there is is sand. And I kind of looked down and I thought, what am I doing? You know, I'm, I'm away from home. I don't, um, you know, away from family. And uh, it was time to head back to New Zealand. And to be fair, I wasn't a, you know, um, I'd had some privileges that, you know, um, or experiences that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, you know, I caddied for Ryan at the Open Championship in, in 15. Yeah. Um, um, Steve Williams gave me a huge amount of his time um, for for a period there, and uh, you know I had 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 some experiences which were just phenomenal. But mm. I I knew I wasn't up to you know the current Sam Pimfold type um, standard of caddy, and and that wasn't going to be where my life was going to be. So, and I think Ryan would be the first to say that. Uh, you know, as he's progressed, as you've seen, and you, and you know Ryan well, he's, yep. um, um, you know, potentially I was holding him back more than I was letting him, let him go. And so, yeah, so retired in 15 and, and uh, ended up back in the car game in 16 for Armstrong Motor Group, running their group operations in 16 and 17. Man, yeah. <laughs> it's like, as I said at the beginning, you've, you've fitted a lifetime into... Um, this period and you've still got more going ahead of you. I mean, just, I'm just trying to think of all the skills and the experiences, the diverse learnings and different parts that you've, you've divested in um, to, to, to come up with, you know, I mean, all this information that you've got here, it's, 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 it's quite amazing. And, and clearly all that is combined to, um, to give you a world of 
you know, this world of knowledge and experience that is, that is very valuable, very, very valuable. And now you've ended up where you are at um, Simmons Transport there. Um, how did that come about? What was the, I mean, you said you were at Armstrong's, you went back to the car game, all that kind of stuff, and, and then you've ended up where you are. I mean, did, did they do their due diligence around finding someone like you that they, you know, and, and they came up with your name? Or what was the, how did it all come together? Well, I, um, I finished up at Armstrong's at the end of, a, of 17, and that was um, brought about by really getting to the point where I wasn't enjoying I, I have a simple principle in life. I had a life-changing event in, in 2005, and from that point onwards, I always vowed that unless I enjoy what I do, I'd just not do it, basically. Um, and, I, and I got to the end of 17. I wasn't enjoying... Um, what I was doing, unfortunately, because I love the company, the great company. And yeah. um, and so um, Andrew and I, we, we had a little one on the way, arriving in January, uh, or sorry, arriving in March. And so I decided I'd try retirement um, uh, for a second time because I reckon you've got to retire three times before you can actually master it. So I... Um, <laughs> So this was, this was my second attempt. The previous one was yeah. back in 05 for six weeks. And um, so then uh, Lucas arrived in March and I was starting to get a bit itchy feet. Um, and I, I uh, for the first time in my life, I wanted to do an interview. Like I wanted to apply for a job and I wanted to go and do an interview because I'd always been um, the one interviewing. And I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't do it the normal way as anyone who's I've employed would tell you. Um, and uh, so I tried to do it. I went to a guy who did my LinkedIn profile and he did my resume because I never had one. And I saw a couple of jobs that I thought, oh, that, that, they look all right. Um, and I didn't even get a, I did not even get a, um, what do you say, someone to reply. So... So I, I rang the recruitment company for one of the companies and gave them a rack up and said, you know, the, the, the least you could do is reply to my email. Um, <laughs> and they, so to cut a long story short, I then got told by a few friends that you're wasting your time despite your, your, and, you know, your objective of having an interview for the first time in your life. Just talk to your, talk to your mates and... Um, and let them know that you're seriously looking. And um, so a couple of good friends and, and Brent Goldsack is a good good mate of mine. Um, and uh, we grew up together as teenagers and and he's, he was on the board of Fonterra and Rabobank and chair of Waitomo and whatever else he's up to, he's always up to something. And he, um, I, I said to him, look, we're having a look around and uh, about 10 days later, he just rang up and said, I'm not going to tell you the company. All I'm going to tell you is these people are great people um, and uh, there's going to be potentially some an opportunity. Um, would you be keen to have a chat? So, yeah, the rest was history. Had a chat. Met with How about uh, that? Graham and Jill and, yeah. and um, changes took, took effect and we were down here April 18th. That's that. Wow. Okay. So that's how it came about. Wow. That's, yeah. That's amazing. So actually, I'll ask you then. Um, what's a what's a job interview when someone's coming in to get a job and you're interviewing them? What does that look like? How does that happen? You said you do it differently. 
Well, I just, you know, like um, you've, I don't know where I've even become aware of it, but some of my HR teams over the years, you know, they come in arm with this blooming checklist and they have to go through this checklist and it's not, I just find them <laughs> personal, you know. I, I employ everybody on whether I like them and whether they've got some personality, whether I believe that, you know, their story and whether I believe that one day they could be a better person working for us. So um, in the checklist thing, I just, I don't enjoy it. I, you know, I feel like uh, I cringe when I'm listening to my own team going through these things. So uh, yeah, so that's, I'm, I just ask random questions and try and try and find some weak points or, or their strengths. And, and ultimately if I really believe that, um, they're going to add value to the business, and and well, that's but that's the way. But that's the way it used to be done, right? It did. That's the way it was done. You know, when you started your businesses, and you were, you know, back in the nineties, two thousands, probably even. I mean, it's changed, and now we've got to go through these protocols. I mean, it, I I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, yeah. you, you want to keep things uh, personable and 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 simple, and and you know that. But but also that comes down to you know the the person in charge. And, and how they they do engage with people, right? Because this is what we're all about, and this is what yeah. is successful. You know it's successful. I know it's successful is when you are engaged with your team and your crew. And, um, you know, the, the leadership is not someone sitting in an ivory tower that uh, has other people doing these things and no one knows who you are. It's about, you know, being treated the same and having the same respect no matter what your job role is across the board, right? Exactly. Exactly. Good old fashioned yeah. way of doing things. Yeah. Keeping it personal. I totally agree. Um, and that, and that's, you know, the, the only reason I come to work is people. I mean, all this other stuff's just a part of the, the wheel, really. Um, I just love seeing people who, who um, have got potential, who ultimately often don't believe they've got it. And then, and then, Finding, finding it yeah, and mm-hmm. and letting them loose really um a few of the team would probably still think i um manage too closely but i just like to make sure things get done properly <laughs> yeah oh yeah well there's there's a few sayings around that right so yeah. i totally get that too yeah. all right well uh listen I, I could probably actually um talk for a another half hour or more actually just about um you know you, you where you've come from, what you've done, though, and go into intricate detail on so many of the topics that we've uh, or things we've already sort of glazed over a little bit. It's it's really interesting, but I suppose we should just um, start talking transport a bit more. Yes. Um, so uh, give us uh, give us an overview there of um, uh, the Simmons Group and and um, you know they've got a, a wide um, uh, array of solutions there in the transport. Um, uh, sector so um, give us a bit of an overview there of the, of the business and, and uh, what you get up to Yeah so Graham um, founded the company, I should know this given I knew we were having this chat but it's something like 38 39 years ago now definitely 37 38 whatever um, and uh, Graham's a um, Taranaki from Rahutu um, he better have been now. Kill me if I've got that wrong. But he from, from a farming background, and um, yeah, and decided one day that um, that uh, maybe you know he could do something a little bit more as an addition. 
Uh, so he bought his first truck and um, and uh, quietly bought uh, additional additional trucks as new opportunities came along, and he got involved in um, uh, the Methanex build um, out uh, just just slightly north of Bell Block here, and um, yeah, a long kind of long story short, um, through to about uh, what. 15 years ago before moving out to here and Bell Block um, also st- uh, became a um, um, major contractor to Fonterra. Uh, mm-hmm. So the business has evolved um, and um, now Simmons Transport is part of four companies that make up the group. Um, and uh, we obviously have our energy services business and we, we have the property portfolio. Uh, which has grown significantly the last kind of four or five years. And um, we also have the only consented land farmers that look after the waste remediation for, for the oil and gas industry. So um, Graham had this vision of having a um, cradle to the grave solution, basically. So uh, from a transport point of view, um, we, look everything, we look after everything that arrives in Tauranga, Auckland, Wellington, Uh, sometimes Hawke's Bay, and then we manage the um, transportation uh, down to Taranaki, uh, and then we look after the whole um, drilling program, whether it be local or offshore. Um, And then a whole bunch of different derivatives have have arisen. Um, So we look after a lot lot of the water delivery, local water deliveries, all the... um, the, uh, um, chicken farms um, and uh, then we quietly moved into the oil and gas in relation to the finished product so we moved crude um, up from Chiel, um and, um, and Rimu uh, we do all the condensate for um, Beach uh, out of Coupe um, and more recently um, just in fact this year we uh, joint, uh, did a joint bid um, as a as a um, what do you call it sub partner or un, under Alexander Group, we teamed up and we won the uh, rock gas contract. And um, so since February twenty eight, we've um, been uh, partnered with Alexander's to um, distribute uh, gas for rock gas and, and on gas throughout New Zealand. So um, we look after our patch and, and the main um, main laneway up. up uh, uh, through through this region, so um, yeah. So transport, we've we've got fifty um, something um, tractors and trucks, um, about eighty or ninety different derivatives that sit behind them, and uh, and then obviously the you know what we've kind of become known for is our stainless fleet that um, yep. does the milk Thanks. and um, and wine and juice. So. Um, Fonterra, obviously, along with um, along with uh, sorry Simmons, along with Dines, are the two major contractors to Fonterra. Uh, so, in the space of ninety days, um, come September, we move anywhere depending on the season between one hundred and fifty and two hundred million liters of milk. Um, so you can imagine that's a bit of an undertaking, um, and. Um, but we've got a we've got a very good team here um, that 
that um, you know make sure that we we do a high performance job for for Fonterra. Good use of uh, the couple of words there, high performance, which relate back a fair bit to a lot of other things. But uh, I before I get into um, just moving forward into the a big part of what we're going to talk about today. And you mentioned about the upscale there when, you know, through the milk season. But um, clearly, Graham has had um, no fear of diversification through the 30-something years that he's been, I mean, to, to evolve and diversify into very, you know, weird and wonderful parts of transport and, yes. and other parts of business. Yeah, well, he's... Um, I, I, I had a, a nice afternoon catch-up with Graham yesterday. See, he's a he's a um, well, I don't know how he'd describe himself, but he's an entrepreneur, obviously. Um, but he's a visionary, and and Murray, who's yep. our transport manager, um, they're very similar. They've got this unique ability to visualize a solution before it become reality. Um, and you know, a lot of companies go after. Um, you know, a potential opportunity by pitching something that they've come up with, where a lot of successful companies actually find a find a need and then create a solution and then and then um, uh, build a business from that. And I think Graham's probably more in that category. So he's he's looked at what industry needs um, and um, and then created solutions um, and efficiencies as well. And efficiencies definitely. Definitely, yep. um, and I guess that's where we've, we've become a major part of Fonterra is we've a whole lot of high-performance um, fleet, um, and Graham was one of the first to, to move into that space. The reason we won yep. the, beach, the beach contract um, was, again, um, moving into HPMV, so reducing movements, having high-quality gear. Um, yep. So, yeah, um, so definitely, definitely uh, um, a visionary in that in that respect, and I think um, one of the critical things, and I know we're going to talk about it a bit further, but um, Graham, along with um, his daughter Jane, um, who's our high performance manager, she um, they adopted and took seriously health and safety a lot a lot earlier than a lot of companies. Um, and they didn't talk about it. They invested heavily in it. Um, and obviously, we were one of the first to, well, I think I understand the very first to um, trial the AutoSense um, cameras in the trucks. Um, so um, it, it was, a, it was a, a commitment along with a bunch of other things that we, we've done or, or they did 10-plus um, years ago that... Um, that kind of uh, have created uh, the business that we've got today. Mm. Yeah, uh, definitely visionary by the sounds of it. And it's, it's spread amongst the, the family as well from Graham. Yes. Um, so yeah, let, let's uh, let's delve into uh, one of the big talking points and conundrums for the, the transport industry is a shortage of drivers. Um, first of all, first of all, just um, you know, how's that? impacting you and how many drivers um, are you short of at the moment? Well, we, um, there's two, two answers to that question. We organically recruit talent um, all the time. So 
if the right person arrives at the door or, or applies, um, we will recruit and take them on board, even if we don't need them. We, the, the as as we as we're discussing the the um, shortage of quality and skilled um, drivers is is so immense that you'd never turn down an opportunity if one came up. Um, in relation to our current status, we we are arguably down about four. Uh, possibly five full-time drivers right now. So uh, they would all be working uh, flat out if we had them. Yep. Um, we, um, we, over the last three, four years, have completely, you know, gone outside the, the normal box of recruitment. So I, because I don't come from transport, I, I constantly am looking at different ways of engaging or, or, or attracting new people. Um, so, yeah, and the business has grown so substantially. But um, so that's our status. And then obviously, as we move into the seasonal side, we go from having 50 odd full time drivers to nearly 150. Um, wow. For 90 days. So we, we have to ramp up significantly and, and quickly. Um, so, yeah, from, from the Simmons perspective, um, we just we're slightly down, um, but that's more so of new work that we've recently uh, won. Um, so we're coping, but um, the the critical one is just not you know the the, the few people that bounce around now in this industry um, you don't really want to take on anyway um, because they will bounce and they'll go from yep. one place to another. Um, so it's really about employing um, based on the quality of person and and how much desire they have. And if we if if people turn up with those um, you know characteristics, then then we'll we'll, we'll definitely give them a job. Yep. Yeah. So you're you're uh, about to, by the looks of it, I think um, from my notes here, about to launch a campaign, yeah. um, a recruitment campaign because of. Uh, what's about to happen very soon with the the milk transport season um, about to get underway before too long. Um, so this is a this is a pretty interesting recruitment campaign. Um, run us through what uh, what the Simmons Group's got planned to to upscale for the season. Yeah, well, so we we I mean for this season, which kicks off September, we 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 began work in February, so we're we're quietly working through a program. Um, and this this year is now the hardest year that we've faced of the last four. Um, and, you know, I believe it's going to get harder and harder over these next anywhere three to five years anyway. I only say that because I still don't have a solution for next year. So yep. I don't really know why or why it's going to get easier at any time soon. Um, but, yeah, so I, I got the team together. Um, it's easy in transport to get negative and go, well, you know, there's nobody around, we can't find anybody, versus, well, let's find a way of attracting, uh, finding new people. Um, so we, I, I sat down with our, um, with Jane, our high performance manager, and Cara and HR, and, and then we use Favour the Brave here in, um, in Taranaki, Hannah Mumby, and I sat them down and said, right, from first and foremost, I don't want to listen to, you know, it's all too hard and, and uh, we're not going to find the people we need to find. I, I, want, to, I want to sit here um, 
to work out what we need to do. And I got taught a number of years ago, I went to a seminar with Richard Petrie, if you remember Richard, uh, um, and Hamish Conway, uh, who I didn't know at the time, but he, he won Entrepreneur of the Year, the year as a finalist. So, and I was, those two guys were up talking and, and um, they talk about shock and awe and um, it's a very affordable way of marketing. Um, so just make sure whatever you're going to do is shocks people. Stands out. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we launched um, this weekend just gone um, and, and the Daily News here um, picked up on, on the story. So suddenly we're on the front page, and um, and then shock, yeah, or yeah, both. <laughs> and on Monday, then I got a call from Carolyn Robinson from One News, and they wanted to put us on um, um, on Seven Sharp. So, so that and and to be honest, it's just been it's been phenomenal. We've um, we I, I think for the first thirty six hours, we had a, an average of one applicant per hour. And um, yeah, so we, it's 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 been outstanding. Um, but obviously, the seasonal driver is a very unique um, person. Um, so we've got to find them, and then we've got to make sure the package um, um, attracts them. So we've gone with um, we've gone with a dinner date with the better half, and we've gone with a haircut, um, and. Uh, um, obviously, the um, obviously a bonus, um, and then the thing that everyone's like going on about is this Netflix. Which is, <laughs> I mean, three months on with Netflix, which you know. Um, didn't we? Didn't we have a conversation about that last year about the, the what was the, it was the um, oh, it was to do with um, this uh, sleep, wasn't it? It was around yes. people doing, yeah, watching watching Netflix instead of sleeping, and and exactly. it's the Netflix syndrome. So, but but you've actually gone and actually give them a subscription as well. They yeah. just need to not watch it when they should be sleeping. Well, it's twofold. It's twofold. It's for their partner who's at home, yeah. not working. Um, so that's really what uh, that's about. To be fair, in the interest of safety, we just we were kind of thinking like, you know. Um, uh, we we've got to look after the person who's going to stay at home, especially if those we we bring a lot of drivers out of town and yep. relocate them. So just kind of giving a bit of thought to that, and and uh, yeah, it's been picked up and and um, been outstanding. And then we've we because um, the, there is actually a seasonal pool of drivers now that um, are, are starting to come about that they're all they've been full time. Um, yep. and, they, and now they focus on this and uh, on the style of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they follow the they follow the wine harvest, and then they go to the, maybe up to do the kiwi fruit, and then potentially come and do the milk. Um, so there's that type of driver, and then you get all the locals in the, in the different regions. Yeah, yeah. I, I was interesting what you said before too. You just said, uh, you know, how are you going to do it next year? How are you going to continue to do it? Because you don't see the the challenge of this driver shortage changing and and i don't see how it possibly can when we're when we're so focused on continuing to grow and everything every part of every business is expected to continue to grow and population is growing so the demands keep growing for everything i mean it's it's not something that has a and there's a shortage of workforce yeah um, 
it's, well, it's not possible to ever get on top of it, right? No, well, not not with New Zealand, not with the New Zealand pool, because you know we have two drivers of our fifty or forty nine um, that are you would be you would categorize them as the old fashioned young kid who always was wanting to drive a truck um and um michael and jess jess has only started with us recently as a cadet in fact she's just got her five class five full license and she's come come through um and, and affect the institute program and then michael started as a cadet as well um he he's a nutter trucker nutter what do you say um he's everything he he could tell you anything about every truck and so he was always going to drive trucks, but yep. if you if you think of that type of pull, it's it's a couple of percent of the of the total drivers, um, and you know in the efforts of health and safety and across all mediums of, of industry, um, learning to drive your you know the tractor or the, the the small farm truck as a kid are out the window. Um, yep. I know Murray here, um, I don't know what, what age he was driving, but it wouldn't have been um, wouldn't have been much more than five or possibly less behind a tractor or behind a wheel. Well, that, see, that's all gone now. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of the owner drivers, um, you know, they're not either not allowed to, not allowed to have, their, you know, their young um, daughter or son in the truck because you know, yep. they've been abducted everywhere they go and all the, all those good things. But that whole pool, um, we've just recently looked after the Inglewood High School um, with a bus, and and the real objective behind that is to to start to integrate into that community and just make sure that we're presenting driving as a um, as a great career. I mean, it's yep. a great career. I mean, these guys, you know, they're modern trucks now. They're, they're, um, they're fitted with every technology in the world. Um, and, you know, they're a $350,000 office, um, which is a... It's, like, it's, it's the correct labelling, though, too. I mean, these yeah. they are professional drivers. They are. They, and, and they... And and we, we've had this discussion, and I continue to have it with everybody, and I think the transport industry is starting to really put a little bit more effort into it, but it's it's highlighting the the job that that is being done and the importance of it and putting putting the people that are going to take this as a career, putting them on a pedestal for what they are doing to support our nation and our economy. And we still need to keep pushing that more and they need to realise and they need to be given that that appreciation for what they're doing. I mean that's that's the way I see it. Well you're hundred percent right. I mean we I've gone through the technician revolution, um, which kind of began in, in the early 2000s in the motor industry. Um, yep. So back in, back, back in those days, um, uh, technicians were in the late teens, um, foreman workshop controllers were early 20s, um, where now they're all in the late 20s, early 30s, 30s, early yeah. 30s and now early 40s. Um, and... Uh, then if you think back to mid-2000s um, in the crisis of skilled uh, builders, plumbers, electricians, that that revolution is now well um, through and, and they're being remunerated um, accordingly. accordingly. 
And for some reason, um, the, uh, I mean, I, I think it came down to supply and demand thing to a certain degree. Um, but what the industry um, has been aware of, but I don't believe has the answers, is that the, the thousands of drivers that are in New Zealand, the age of them, um, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but if you look at Fonterra as the largest single employer, I think they would be. If, I'd be surprised if there's anyone who has more drivers working for them. But if you went and asked them what the age of their their team are, um, it, it's extraordinarily high uh, that are in the uh, retirement bracket in the next five years. And yep, yep. But then that's an industry-wide situation. I mean, if you look at our 49 drivers, um, I'd say um, a minimum of 19 um, of them would be if if they don't, you know, if they choose to, um, retiring in the in the next five um, in the next five years, and we've got two that are over seventy. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, I've not been involved in any medium um, in the, in this space, but um, currently we're focused on dealing with our immediate issue. Um, we've set up the institute, and uh, we set that up at the um, uh, in 2000, it's just just as COVID ramped up, and yep, um, yep. that's that. To be honest, is strictly about trying to get back to the industry. So we we run a 20 day intensive program where if you've got five L, um, so it's designed for young people like uh, Michael and Jess that I referred to, or it's designed for those that have got their five but have been out of the game for. 10, 20, 30 years. Some of them never drove a truck, even though they've got class five. Um, the first two candidates, or the first two, um, uh, two say, drivers that went through the Institute, one was uh, Virgin Australian captain. Um, local, oh, really? Local, locally, yeah. And then the other one was Taran, who um, um, went through the Institute and is now working for us full time. Um, so that 20 days... Because of the unique nature of our business, we can we can provide an amazing um, uh, array of of different types. So we can, you know, a driver can drive a skelly with a container on it, or a flat deck with a fully loaded uh, loader pipe, or or a, or a tanker full of water or milk or or, or condensate or oil. We can, you know, a cement tanker, whatever. Um, we can provide such an um, array of different types of, of trucks, truck and trailer, B trains. Um, so the, the Institute's gone well, more for us than anyone else really. And it was really designed for the industry to, um, to use. Um, but there's just a, um, I mean, it's affordable, I believe. Um, and but there's just there's just such a uh, shortage of talent that are that are wanting to get back into the industry or even into the industry. And and how many are you putting through the or do you want or how many are going through the the institute? In a perfect world, we should put through about forty a year. Yeah. And since, despite all the COVID nonsense, we um, we have 
I think we'd be in the early 20s in the last 18 months. So we're well short of what we're, what our capability is. Um, Doug Peach, our people performance manager, he heads it up and he's ex-police, 17 years. I think you met him down here last yep. year. Yep, um, he, he um He's um, seven years in CBIU and, you know, extraordinary knowledge base, great guy. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a great, great opportunity for someone, you know, to consider. Um, but, um, yeah, we, it's, a, it's a resource that, that needs to be taken up for sure. Yeah, big time. Um, oh, I'm, I'm going to just go back in a second just uh, just um, cover off some of the um, the details again of, of the recruitment campaign that you're putting together. But I just what's what's um, what have you got as a message to other transport businesses that are dealing with the, the same thing? Do you have anything that um, you know you can offer up as advice or or uh, a part of your knowledge? Uh, well, I think. Social media, you've got to use it, even if you don't like it. Like um, it, yep. You just have to. I mean, it's it's like our window. It's like our front door um, or, or front window. So you've got to um, you've got to use it well. Um, and you know, before someone applies, they ultimately need to feel like they want to work for you, or they know enough about you to um, consider you a point of difference. Um, yep. And on those bases, then you're actually attracting the right talent. Um, and uh, I think in the next period, like we've said, because we've got no answers to our current crisis, we've we've just got to think outside the square. Um, well, you 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 big borrow stealing whatever you can people from you know from other places to come to you, and and you know, those same people that they're coming from are trying to do the same thing in many respects. I mean, it is, it's just a, it's a bit of a war, isn't it? On, you know, trying to, it is. to take, take people from other yeah. places. That's all you're doing. And we try, like, I mean, I know this is easy to say, but we try very hard not to recruit from local, other local transport companies. So we're, we're really pitching to those moving to the NACI. Um, or um, from overseas. We've we've changed all our social media in the last quarter to international, so everything we do goes international now. We don't limit it to our region or or the North Island. Um, So this current campaign in the last week, we've we've had um, interest from South America, uh, Philippines, South Africa. Yeah, right. Yeah. And if you'd probably confirm this but um currently truck drivers are back on the list um and uh with the employment side so we will able to fast track um a couple of these people through um and uh, because we're we've gone through the hopes of becoming a um yep approved and credited credited yeah yeah um with that in mind so i mean yes back on the on the uh, list of able to fast track um, internationals into the country, um, but what internally uh, is is the government doing anything to assist in in this this challenge and this shortage um, to support you through you know any means? Is is there much help there directly from them? 
Um, well, not to my knowledge, um, but I, I, I would say the, I mean, I've, I've met once Nick uh, Leggett, Leggett. And, yep. um, and he seems to be quite prominent in the media, um, representing uh, the industry, um, but I've never seen anything substantial or significant come from, from anything yet. Um, but no, as far as I know, there's no engagement from from um, from government to the industry, but I'm sure there is. I'm just not part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping there is. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not aware of anything um, at this stage. No, well, it's, uh, it's some questions I am going to be uh, engaging with Mick Leggett um, uh, in a future um episodes of the depot so uh yeah uh, we'll send you a link to that mate and you can have a listen yeah definitely. Right. Um, to be to give credit to nick the his team have built a uh, virtual team of people that have the skill um that have been sitting dormant and in, in driving and as part of the covid crisis they've built a, a relief team which we've tapped into so there's been a couple of cool little initiatives come come from from that body um, yes, that's been good. Yeah, right. So let's um, uh, let's just go and I'll give you. A, I want to give you a, uh, this campaign a plug um, that you that you got going on because there's some really really cool things going. We we briefly touched over it. You've got uh, offering up a three month Netflix subscription, um, hundred dollar dinner voucher, as you say. Hopefully uh, for the uh, the the new employee and the good wife to, to go and enjoy. Um, free haircut to look good and feel their best. Um, also, um, most motel-style accommodation for those that don't live in the region as well, which is obviously pretty significant. Um, uh, if, uh, and also a bonus of $2,000 if 60 days of work is completed. Um, De depending on experience, base rate between $27.50 and $37.50 per hour, whereas our current minimum wage is obviously $21.20. Uh, yes. So is that uh, that pretty much covers it? And and if and if people you know are listening, anyone does listen and is interested, um, how do they apply? Yeah, uh, so just simply straight at, straight to our Simmons Group website, and then there's the um, career or. Or recruitment side there and then straight into um, application or the quickest and easiest possibly is even just going straight onto our Facebook page and and uh, sending sending a note and if you like if you like or send a comment you'll be you'll be in touch with the team who are who are all I've seen in the last 48 hours is apology after apology because they have not been able to keep up it's been um, been been outstanding. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, a great initiative. And, and as I say, thinking outside the box was what you've done and got your team to do. And that, that is what you need to do these days to, to stay relevant and, um, and separate yourselves from, from everybody else. So good job on that one. Um, now, uh, I'm, I'm very aware of the time I've already kept you, but uh, obviously AutoSense, and you did mention it early, earlier uh, off the cuff there about uh, the products that they um, have that the company um, is involved in with with Guardian. Um, they are the the, uh, the supporters of this this podcast, and, and it's their initiative as well. While we're doing this, um, so they provide the driver training and safety solutions. Um, so we thought we'd uh, finish up the the chat here with finding a bit more about um, driver safety at Simmons. 
and how you approach it. So we'll start with that, just how you approach it. We'll go into some of the uh, the, um, the Guardian chat afterwards. Yes. Well, we, um, as I said, kind of 10, 12 years ago, we, um, Graham and the, and the team began the whole um, health and safety commitment. Um, and we've, when, when uh, AutoSense um, or the Guardian um, technology was first introduced, we were uh, quick to adopt it. And uh, so it's on, it's on all our line haul trucks and then a few of our grazers, the ones that stay local. Um, we are also, um, as part of, um, as part of the um, AutoSense program. So that, that's critical for us, for um, especially for myself, for Graham and Jill, as um, you know, um, owners and, and leaders of the company um, and our leadership team. That gives us a high degree of confidence and, and security around everyone that's driving on in our fleet um, because we have a huge amount of our fleet that are on the road uh, 24 hours, so um, it doesn't matter whether it's day or night. The fatigue is a factor. Um, so that's that's been critical. Um, we drive Scania. Uh, Graham's been committed uh, loyalist to Scania for since day one, um, and he do, and he's still a stronger believe strong believer that we try and have the best possible uh, tractor and truck um, for for our team to drive for safety. And 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 believe me, we've had our um, some recent Appreciate. serious incidents. Um, then, from an e-road perspective, um, just strictly around the uh, the driver behaviour, uh, that's what we've got that there for is is around the um, um, five star drivers, basically. So we we sit inside the top four percent in New Zealand um, for all industry, uh, top 5% of all industry and top 4% in, in our industry type. So um, we've been challenged frequently on it because most people don't believe it's possible. Um, but, yeah, all our 49 drivers, in fact, uh, plus our VIP team, um, uh, over 70% are, are in the top 10% in New Zealand as, as driver um so, and that's a commitment from 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 us that we that's a standard we we want to maintain and and achieve. And because we do, it's possible. Um, you clearly, clear huge buy-in then from everybody in the uh, who's driving one of these these yes. machines, which which is a very difficult thing. And we we you know we're seeing that. Um, you know, as we start to grow and AutoSense grows and more Guardian, you know, it's a common common thing around drivers not trusting it, uh, don't, you know, in the belief about what it's actually doing, the, think, the thinking that there's nothing wrong with me, I'm, you know, I'm doing a great job, I'm not fatigued, I'm not distracted, but all this kind of stuff, um, you know, and the pushback is enormous, but you've clearly got a huge buy-in on, on not just the unit, these units, but also overall safety as well with those numbers definitely definitely and and i mean it's i have you know we with the eyes up program well i i did hear mm. your feedback that a number of drivers across the industry had pushed back you know some secretly fbi yep. agent i mean spying yeah i mean i've not had any pushback here in the last four years really in the odd time that um 
there's been a question. It's been more more about what's going on. You know, we've had a couple of drivers that have mysteriously had the camera turn left or turn right um, or just conveniently had a couple of caps put over it. Um, yep. So we've, we had those chats. Um, and, you know, once you understand what's going on behind the, the story or behind the driver, you get a bit of appreciation of why, why, the, why there's an issue. Um, but no, I, I swear by it. It's, um, it's an imperative part of our business. Um, and, uh, you know, we, the other key part to us uh, for onboarding a new member of the team, we put, um, we begin with a full SAFED um, onboarding, so safe and fuel efficient driving. So that's, that's a course that every driver's put through. Um, including all our seasonals. Um, so that's kind of the start. Um, and then the, um, regardless whether you've been through our institute or not, regardless if you're experienced or not, you'll still go through the 20-day program um, around, which covers everything, um, you know, um, safe loading and, and, and every aspect of, of safe transport. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's it's just what we take as being non-negotiable, um, and uh, you know we still, this, despite um, our our investment and our commitment to it. I mean, we still just based on the sheer number of kilometres that the team are driving on a daily basis. Um, you know, we'll, we'll will and do have incidents. It's it is a reality. Yeah, it, it is a reality. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to um, to ask you uh, just just around the fatigue and distraction situation. Um, yeah, how you, you coming into this industry hadn't really been attached. I mean, cars and things, uh, obviously, but but into the transport industry itself. Um, how much of an eye opener was was some of the the stuff around fatigue and distraction um, for you arriving in, in, into this this role? Um, it probably wasn't until the first season, the first um, dairy season in September um, 18, that I suddenly had a totally new anxiety that I didn't realise existed. Yeah, um, yeah, right. And that was more because, you know, we, we go from basically um, kind of six to, six to ten trucks at the most on the road at night during the year to um, 35 to 45, depending. And it suddenly created a whole new kind of stress that I didn't realise was a real, you know, a thing. Um, but um, the, the, you know, I, we have a very strict protocol with fatigue. So one first alert requires a driver to pull over, uh, second set for 20 minutes, um, second alert, they've taken off the road regardless. There's no questions asked and we uh, go and rescue them. Um, but what, what, what has blown me away is the video coverage um, of, of some of the fatigue events of our own team. Um, yep. And, um, you know, the initial reaction of some of them, because, of course, you know, these guys are professionals and they're quite proud um, so if they actually have a fatigue event 
especially for those that haven't had one previously or it's a rare event, like they don't want to, they ultimately don't want it to be a thing because um, yep. there's, there's pride involved. Then you get the others that are um, oblivious to the fact that they even um, had a fatigue event, completely yep. blown away, they completely fallen asleep. Um, and I think that eyes up um, event that we had down here last year was a great thing too for me, just with the with the um, you know the diet, the the coffee, the the water. Um, that was actually a really good learning um, for me as well, just to make sure that we were um, as a as an employer doing the doing what we can um, to so we provide gym membership. Um, we we try and provide. Um, well, we don't try. We do provide fruit and, like, the, I guess the one thing we could sort out is, is water water bottles and a better a better scenario there. But we try we try as an employer to make sure we set our team up for success in that regard. Yeah, and, and do um, you said before you know the uh, because what you do see and and what is recorded through through the Guardian. Um, have you had and got drivers that have been willing to um, talk about their those experiences or show some of the the onboard, um, you know, again, that is a pride thing. But have, have you got some that have actually gone? You know, this is this is for the greater good of the people that I work with and the company. If if others understand how easy it is for these things to happen, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's um, amazing. Yeah, definitely got. I mean, there's a lot of guys that take a lot of care for for their um, you know peers, um, and you know would do anything to support um, to, to support it further. And as as we are, I mean, as as I am as a employer, um, I mean, I'm a strong advocate for for AutoSense and and um, and what it what it is and and uh, what it's done for us, or the or at least the the um, the the degree of, of comfort that it can provide um, because it's still sitting there. You know, when I go home every night, um, it, I, can, I can see where the fleet are. I can see who's driving um, and, uh, and the way our um, fatigue management program works, the, our health and safety will alert myself and, and our transport manager, Murray, to any alert. Um, and as soon as it gets to... Uh, that second stage. It, it, I mean, to be fair, this is a very rare event, but when it does, we're all over it and, uh, um, yep. and very quickly. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, uh, it's interesting, and I, and I, I truly believe it's becoming more of an honest <laughs> statement um, amongst transport operators. And the realization is, you know, uh, um, and the, the phrase is, it's about getting everybody home safe at the end Correct. of the shift or at night yeah 100 yeah. percent. No, yeah um so i'm truly believing that we are seeing a change there hey dean um mate thanks so much we've we've covered a lot of stuff here we had a really great track a chat very informative lots of great information lots of um awesome stuff around uh the simmons group and what you're doing the challenges and the likes and and really interesting to I'm sure everybody will find very interesting to have heard a bit about your past and how you're bringing all those learnings and challenges and, and how you've transitioned in, into this in, industry. So uh, really appreciate your time. No worries. 
Thank, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. So there you have it. Uh, another very interesting conversation. Um, really interesting insights into uh, Dean's past uh, before he actually even got into the transport industry. Just goes to show you don't have to be a lifer uh, to um, be involved and um, you know supply your skills that you've learned in the past to to provide uh, support to an industry such as transport. So really interesting to get his insights and his past in there. So we'd really like to thank Dean for his involvement today. Now, if you have a question for Dean um, on any topic uh, that we covered in the podcast, then just email us at thedepot at autosense.co.nz. So thanks for listening. In the next episode, uh, we are going to be catching up with the new CEO of HW Richardson, Anthony Jones, um, and uh, talking about his new role there based in Invercargill, um, and find a, a lot about um, his previous experience as well, but also the differences and, and synergies between transport in New Zealand and Australia, being that he comes from Sydney. So I uh, hope you can join us in the next episode. Uh, until then, I'm signing off. It's Greg Murphy. Thanks for listening.